huge that I get to participate in this. And now I get to participate in everything of my life. My kids are here. We have five children at home. Um, it's, <laughs> I don't have, I don't have these ties that bind me down. No more addiction. I'm addicted to God. <laughs> I don't want more drugs. I want more Jesus. Amen. Man, it's so good to hear the story of what God is doing around here at Real Life. Chance is just one of us who's grown to become who God made him to be. And, and I love the opportunity that every one of us have when we walk through these doors to uh, take our first step with Jesus, to take our next step, uh, to believe that God is going to meet you in this time right where you are and lead you into the future that he has in mind. Many of us have been leading our own lives with our own desires and our own plans. And today is a day to really really celebrate that when we lay our lives down before Jesus, when we stop trying to save ourselves and figure out our own lives, uh, we have an opportunity actually to, to give our life to Jesus and allow him to lead us to the future that he has for each of us. No matter where you've been, where you've come from, I believe with all my heart that God wants you here, has you here for a reason today, and is going to meet you right where you are today. We're on a mission to reach this world for Jesus one person at a time, and today is the 12th 12th year that we have started this thing as a church, and I just want to celebrate that with you today. Man, what a miracle. 12 years of God's faithfulness, 12 years of God's grace, 12 years of stories like chances where, where lives have just been radically transformed by the love of Jesus Christ, and we want you to be a part of it. You're here today because I believe that God wants you to, like he, like Chance did, he made that decision. No, I, want, I want to be a part of this, not just kind of sit by. I actually want to engage relationship with people around here, get connected, uh, be in a group, grow as a disciple, learn to serve, find my spot in ministry around here to where I can be a part of this rescue mission to see other people rescued by the love and the grace of Jesus Christ. We want you to be a part of what God is doing here. And so our prayer is that you would take those next steps today, uh, that you'd have the courage to get connected, that you come to our 101 next Sunday at 10 o'clock service, uh, that you'd find out who we are, what we believe, and, and how you can be a part of what God is doing around here. I also want to call you to give. Uh, we all give around here financially. It's part of who we are as Jesus Church is we actually tithe. It's, it's a tenth, 10% 10 of our income. We give it to the Lord, return it to him. It's his anyways, and we are trusting him with it, believing that this is what he calls us to do, and so we're going to walk in obedience and watch him provide miraculously in our lives, and I'm so thankful for those of you that do practice tithing, that are growing in the grace of giving, and I want to encourage those of you that have not yet taken that step to start today. God's grace is so good. His power, his provision is unbelievable, and I want you to experience that joy, and so that giving envelope, you can follow the steps inside for digital options, or you could give cash or check through that, drop it in the box as you leave today. Well, 12 years, uh, God has been so faithful. And as I come to today in this sermon, uh, I am so, so excited to see what God is going to do in each of your lives, what he's going to speak to you, how he's going to move, uh, how he might encourage you, challenge you, shape you. Uh, God is so good at meeting you right where you are. We've been studying through uh, Jesus' uh, leadership of of. His kingdom. It's the thing he talked about more than anything else was his kingdom. People are always wondering, who is this miracle worker and what is he about and, and, and trying to figure out Jesus. 
And every time he had crowds of people, he would always share these stories. They're called parables. They were, they were kind of a, a story with a hidden meaning below the surface. And he's, he's vision casting constantly what his kingdom is like, what kind of people his people are, and, and what it looks like to be a part of his kingdom, and how his kingdom moves and works and expands. And, and, and there was always this invitation in his stories. To have a heart that's soft enough and hungry enough to look below the surface of of what he's saying and try to discern for yourself, where's the meaning for me and am I in this story and can can God's story be something that impacts my story and is there a way for me to kind of move forward from here with God, a part of his kingdom? He would often end with an invitation like this, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. It always provoked a question in the hearer's heart, do I? Do I hear what he's saying? Do I understand what he's trying to tell me? Where do I find myself in this story? And so my hope is as we unpack this story today is that your heart would have that hunger, that you would have a desire to know God, that maybe you have no idea about God or who he is or how much he loves you, but that you would just have an inkling of a, of a sense that God wants you to seek. He wants you to ask. He wants you to knock on the door. He wants to reveal himself to you. And that, that hunger inside you, I believe, with all my heart, can move you to a place of transformation where God can reveal himself in a miraculous way in your life today. So I want to ask you to be hungry. I want to ask you to have a heart to, to, to hear, God, what do you want to say to me today? If you have a Bible, would you open to Matthew chapter 13? Uh, that is where we are kicking off today. Uh, we've been in this chapter multiple times over the last several weeks because there's so many stories in Matthew 13. Verse 31, 32, and 33 is where we find this short little snippet of Jesus painting a picture of his kingdom. He's telling all these parables, and then he, he breaks into this, this illustration. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. It's like a a small seed that a man planted in his field. Though it's the smallest of all the garden seeds, it grows to actually become the largest. And so big that it even becomes a tree where the birds of the air come and perch in its branches and find shelter in its branches. He says the kingdom of heaven is also like a woman took a, a bit of yeast and she mixed it into a massive lump of dough. And that yeast worked its way all the way through the dough until the whole lump was was covered with this yeast. This is the story from God's Word that I want to unpack together today. Just a little bit of kind of discernment here. The the mustard seed is a real plant in a a real garden in a real field that, that really isn't that desirable. In fact, it's kind of almost like a weed. That if you're not careful, it'll take over the entire field and, and, and you'll kind of have to pull it out and get it out of the places that you don't want it to be. But still, the farmer wanted it on purpose in the field. And so he planted it there. Kind of like the kingdom. For many of us that haven't yet sought the kingdom of God, uh, it's almost a little undesirable. I like being my own God and controlling my own life and doing what I want to do all the time. I don't want anything taking over this life. I want to do life the way I want to do life. And so there's this kind of unsettledness about allowing the kingdom to get planted in our hearts and our lives and in our souls. But once it does, it takes over everything. Kind of like the mustard seed, it takes over the whole field. Or kind of like the yeast in the dough. You can't keep the yeast out of part of the dough and go, well, I want to segment this part to be risen and to bake bread with, but the rest of this, no, it just affects the whole entire thing like the kingdom in our hearts 
affects every part of our lives. God, God, there's nothing off limits to God in our hearts when we get the kingdom planted inside of us. The other picture that's so important is the mustard seed. I got one here. It's tiny. I mean, it's the smallest of seeds in this field. Yet it becomes the largest. So much so that it's even like a tree that gets like so big that there's branches and birds of the air come and perch there and rest there and find shelter there, that there's this image of tiny, small beginnings that emerge to these massive bushes and trees. It's like many of our lives find places where the kingdom, you know, there's a promise of God's work in your life of healing, of transformation and restoration and freedom from addiction and restoring your marriage or, or helping your kids know who Jesus is, but it feels like there's something so tiny and insignificant that you don't even know if it's actually going to do anything in your life or their life. You kind of believe, but not sure if you really believe that this tiny little beginning can actually become something so massive. This story from God's Word, I think, has a lot to say to each of us. I want to pray, and let's just invite the Spirit to help us here. Lord, we do sense your invitation today that we would have ears to hear. That we'd be a people that discern where your kingdom is and what you are saying to each of us personally, God. That this wouldn't be just a rote religious moment, God, but this would be a powerful moment where your presence and your word and your spirit is alive in this room and that our hearts are being changed and impacted, God, right now. Holy Spirit, we just invite you to bring conviction, to bring love, to bring your grace, God. We invite you, Holy Spirit, just to, to reveal your, your goodness and, 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 God, steps to take and, and things to surrender. And God, would you just move, speak, lead. We love you. In Jesus' name. Can you say amen this morning? Amen. Man, I'm thinking about the 12 years. Uh, talk about small beginnings. Uh, we... As a church, we started, uh, we started in small groups. We didn't launch a weekend gathering like this for 10 months. We were kind of crazy back then. I don't know why we were thinking this way, but I just had this like sense in my heart, like if I'm going to plant a church, it's not because I'm leaving something that uh, I didn't want to be a part of. The guys at Real Life and Post Falls asked us to come over here and plant this church, and I made sure. I was like, hey, if you guys just want to get rid of me, fire me, please. Like, don't make me go plant a church in the name of getting rid of Richie, right? And they're like, no, we promise. We want to plant a church in Spokane. There are so many people that need to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. And so the elders there set us apart for this work and sent us over here. And, and, and man, we started with just a group of guys meeting at Tomato Street on Thursday mornings at 6 a.m. And uh, you know that chalkboard, if you've anybody been to Tomato Street on Division right here, there's that huge chalkboard in the, in the lobby there. And we would, I would just write up there every week. There's just like this purity in my heart that I'm like, God, I want to be your church. Jesus promised in Matthew 16, 18 that he would build his church. And the gates of hell would not be able to stop his church. I know the gates of hell can stop my version of the church and your version of the church, but, but Jesus promised if he builds his church, not, not even the gates of hell can stop the advancement of his kingdom. It's kind of like this mustard seed, right, that it's going to take over everything. And, and, and I wanted to be a part of that. I didn't want to make up my own version of church and ask Jesus to bless it. And so we would just write to say, this same question every week up on that, on that blackboard. What does it mean to be Jesus' church? 
Because we were not content with just going through church motions and playing church games. We actually wanted to live a life that, that matched Jesus' teaching, Jesus' leadership, Jesus' way of living, his way of loving, his way of, of, of walking with people. I, we were not content to just know about Jesus, but to actually walk with Jesus to the future that he called us to have. So this, this passion just birthed in our hearts, tiny, small beginning. It multiplied from there into several small groups that met in the evenings at different homes, and those groups all multiplied again and again and again. I think before we ever launched weekend services, we had 12 groups meeting, close to 200 people connected in small groups. Small beginning that began to multiply rapidly. Soon after about three years, this church was over 11, almost 1,200 people every single weekend. We were beside ourselves. We had no idea how this tree had gotten so big so quick. We began to raise up pastors and other leaders and plant other churches and send other people out and worship pastors. We sent them, ones in California now, just on mission, texting me this week, just so grateful for the beginning of what God did here. Uh, people in Seattle being used by God right now. People in different states and different parts of, uh, of our city here being used by God that have been sent out to plant other churches. And by God's grace, his church has just multiplied. But it started so small. Think about when COVID happened and just the, the journey of restarting. That was another small beginning. Kind of a devastating time in my story and in, in our church's story, but at the same time, a, a time where something super tiny gets to begin to grow. And what I love about restarting after COVID is here you are. I mean, some of you, you didn't know real life before all that, but here you are. Some of you maybe weren't involved at all and, and, and not a part of what God was doing, but now you're like an integral part of leading groups and serving on the weekends and loving people and serving people like God's grace is so good. These small beginnings, I think, are always challenging, but, but give us just a sense of the miraculous power that, that God is doing something that God promised he would do. His kingdom starts tiny but multiplies into this powerful thing. I just can't help but think about your story and go, okay, where do I find myself in this story in Matthew chapter 13? See, when the kingdom of God gets planted in your heart, things start to change. When, when you recognize the good news of Jesus Christ for what it really is, that, that God loves you, that he sent his son to die on the cross to rescue you from your sin. That the only way for us to be right with God the way we were created to be is to, to have the grace of Jesus, the forgiveness of Jesus cover our lives. Our perfection our, will never be enough. Our best days will never be enough. It is only by the perfection of Jesus that you and I could be made right with God. And so he substitutes his perfection for all of our imperfection. He takes our shame and guilt on himself, goes to the cross, dies on the cross on our behalf, and, and, and raises to new life after three days declaring victory over sin and death so that anyone who puts their faith in Jesus Christ could be made right with God. Like this is an amazing gift of God's grace and his salvation. And the moment that you recognize I need a savior, something gets planted in you that begins to change everything. The kingdom. The kingdom comes alive inside you. And I think about we have a lot of small beginnings in many of our lives because we're all facing challenges. Friends of ours have a daughter with cancer. 
sickness in your life. Finances are a mess right now. Your, your, your marriage is in trouble. There's a lot of places of brokenness. Maybe the addiction that you thought you had conquered is just nagging at you constantly right now. There's a sense of, of something could happen and be great about this marriage or about my kids or about this life or about the career, but, but, but things just seem so small and insignificant right now. There's, there's something that I think God wants to bring to your story here is a sense of hope and a sense of faith that, man, if God is really putting his kingdom inside me, then whatever kind of small, broken place I've got that, that I'm struggling with, maybe I'm discouraged about or insecure about or anxious about that, that there's an opportunity for us in this story to, to get our faith up, to not allow doubt and discouragement to win our hearts and our minds. There is an enemy of your soul that wants to isolate you and, and lie to you and keep you constantly discouraged and afraid and anxious. And there is a gift of God that is hope in Jesus Christ, hope for healing, hope for transformation, hope for freedom from that addiction, hope for restoration in your marriage, that it may seem small and tiny, but God's grace is so good that this little seed can become something supernatural, a miracle, in fact. See, what I love about the, the, the picture is that it becomes so large, it's impossible to, to ignore. And I think about your story in those broken places, like God wants to do something so great that it becomes one of the greatest stories of his glory in your life. That it's not just this hidden little broken thing that will always haunt you, but it becomes this massive tree of God's grace and God's glory. And people can actually experience the love of God through the miracle that he is wanting to do in this place in your life. See, my hope is that you would get your faith up. Jesus referenced the mustard seed in Matthew 17, 20. Truly, I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Jesus wants to get your faith up. He wants to get you to a place of hope, believing, encouraged, empowered, that God can do a miracle in your life. That this is a story about God's kingdom and his kingdom advancing in miraculous ways, in ways that, that are beyond our expectation. When Paul is praying for the church in Ephesus, uh, in Ephesians 3.20, he says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask, think, or even imagine, his power that is at work within you. That is the kind of prayer, the kind of faith, the kind of hope that God wants to lift in your heart today. As you hear this story about a tiny little seed, as you think about how small yeast is in the batch of the whole dough, that, that it can actually take over everything. It can become so big, so significant. My prayer is that your faith would rise, that we would be a people filled with faith not doubts and discouragement and always talking about how broken and sad and everything is in our lives and other people's lives and just kind of like the, the downer all the time, but that we would actually begin to grab a hold of faith in our hearts, begin to verbalize it, that you would get connected into a group and people around you would say, hey, it's going to be okay. I don't know how, but it's going to grow. God's going to do something supernatural. Healing's going to come. Freedom's going to come. I don't know how God's going to get glory out of this, but he is working. We need that from each other, don't we? 
we, real life? We need that kind of encouragement, that lifting, that faith, that, that, that anticipation and that hope in our hearts. And man, this is a story that just says, hey, real life, let's get our faith up. Let's get our hope up. Let's get our expectation up that God can take small, broken, insignificant places in our lives and make them the biggest, most impactful thing in the entire field. That's good news, don't you think? I kind of believe you. That's good news, don't you think, real life? That, that God could do something like that amazing with your life. See, this is us getting our faith up, all right? We'll work at it. This is good. All right. The other thing that is so cool about this story is that, that the yeast and the mustard seed, the mustard seed takes over the entire field. The yeast takes over the whole lump of dough. There are places in our hearts that, um, if we're not careful, we keep God out of. Uh, maybe there there's sins that we've held on to, there are priorities that we've had. Maybe it's our finances. Maybe it's our, 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 our the way we parent. Maybe it's, um, it's an attitude. Maybe it's, it's the way you view people. But what I love about this picture is that there's an invasion happening. <laughs> that the moment that the kingdom gets planted in your heart, transformation is the name of the game. That God is wanting to take every area, every attitude, every priority, every value, every word, every thought, and he's wanting to bring his kingdom to every bit of your life. You can't keep it out. It's really the, the message in this story. You can't compartmentalize and have your religious parts and then your worldly parts. Well, I do business kind of this way, and then I do the rest of life. No, 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 no. There's none of that segmenting and, and, and you know, putting these boxes and these parameters around the kingdom, Jesus is going, no, this is what my kingdom is like. It will change everything about you. And so as a people, the invitation is to not be a resistant people, but to be a submissive people. Be like, all right, God, if you want to change my priorities, change them. You want to change my attitude, change it. You want to change my life, change it. All of that that, that your kingdom wants to affect in my life, bring it, God. And see, this kind of invitation from the story is that we would be these people that are passionately seeking the transformation of God in our lives, not hesitantly resisting, wanting to hold on to our own lives, but that there is a radical sold-outness, an all-inness about us that says, you know what, God, your kingdom, it's coming, it's advancing, nothing is going to stop your church, and I want to be a part of your kingdom advancing not only in my life, but other people's lives. Whatever you got to change, change it, God. See, this kind of radical submission, this kind of radical invitation is a place that God invites us to walk into as a people, not hesitant, not resistant, not trying to keep God at bay in our lives, but, but sold out. These are the people that actually experience the work of God in their lives. And man, honestly, for many of us, we've gotten maybe disillusioned about God at work in our lives, but, but a lot of that disillusionment has come because we've been so resistant to God invading every part of our lives. And his kingdom, man, it's just not like that. It works its way through the whole lump of dough. Every bit of our lives is going to be affected. And as a people, let's be a people who invite that, amen, that actually want that, that hope for that, that we see the kingdom as the better way. Not my way, but your way, Jesus. Not, not my will, but your will. God, would your kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven. Would your will be done in this life the way your will is being done across this world? In the heavens here on earth, would it be that way in this soul? 
That's why when Jesus is asked, how should we pray? Man, he puts that, that moment of submission in there. Would your kingdom come? Would your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven? That's an invitation. God, would your kingdom grow in this life too? Would I, would I not have anything off limits? But God, all of me is committed to you, ruling, reigning, every attitude, every heartbeat. God, every word, every thought, every look, every bit of this life, God, it is yours. See, it's an invitation to transformation. The last piece that I think is so significant about this story is that this tiny little seed becomes so big. It becomes like a tree where birds of the air even find their shelter, their rest in its branches. There's trees all over in Scripture where people find themselves. Zacchaeus was a short guy that knew Jesus was coming through town the crowd was so big that there was no way he was going to be able to get a look at Jesus. And so he climbed a tree. He climbed a tree to get his eyes on Jesus. When I think about this picture, what a cool image to see the kingdom uh, like a tree that somebody could climb to get their eyes on Jesus. Or, or, or maybe uh, Elijah, when he's running for his life and discouraged by, by the battle that is ensuing all around him, he finds himself exhausted under a tree in the desert, begging God to take his life. This is a prophet of God that has been used in a miraculous way, begging God to take his life. And God says, no, 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 no. Brings angels to minister to him, to feed him, to strengthen him, and get him back on, on track on the journey that God had called him to. A tree is a place of shelter for Elijah, a place of encounter for, for a guy named Andrew, who, who before he ever put his faith in Jesus Christ, Jesus saw him sitting under a fig tree. And he said to him, I saw you. I saw you when you were sitting under that tree. This tree becomes a picture of refuge, of shelter, of safety, of getting our eyes on Jesus, that, that, that Jesus' people, his kingdom, actually becomes this kind of place. Like your family could actually be a place of shelter and refuge for those that are hurting and lost. That we as a people, as a church collectively, that this would actually be a place where people could find shelter, that they could get just above their circumstances and get their eyes on the Savior of their soul. Amen? That, that they could lift up above all the craziness and go, oh, I need to look at Jesus. Who is he? What is he about? Maybe, maybe they've been scorched and withered by the heat of life and, they, and they're exhausted and they need a moment of rest under the tree like Elijah did to be able to go, is God, are you really there? Do you know me? Do you love me? And they need a place of shelter that they can run to. And that's what I long for in this picture to become as a people, that we would actually see our lives, our families, our homes, this church as a, as a place of shelter for those that need to get a look at Jesus, that need to get their eyes on how good he is, how, how loving he is, that they need to be able to cry out in, in a place of desperation, even if it's longing God to take their life from them, that, that God would be able to meet them in that place of hurt, of, of pain, of brokenness, and that we would be a place where anybody can come and find that shelter, find that place of hope and healing, that as a church we would say, okay, God, you've been miraculous over the last 12 years. All that he has done, all the work that he has done, all the people he has healed, all the churches that have gotten planted, all the lives that have been changed. Thousands and thousands of people have been impacted by the grace and the good news of Jesus Christ over the last 12 years. But God, as we look forward into the future here, would you give us a picture of us becoming this place of shelter? 
Would you give us a picture of a, a heart that says, God, would people walk through these doors, walk into our homes, walk into a relationship with our families and see, oh, I can, I can find Jesus with these people, and, and, and I can know who he really is, and I can have an honest conversation with God. As desperate as I might be, this is a place of refuge, a place of safety, a place of shelter. Man, I think about how broken our city is, how desperate all of our world is to know the good news of Jesus Christ. And I hear this story as an invitation to God's people to become a people of his kingdom, that our lives and our families and our church is a place of shelter where lives can get their focus on Jesus. And I go, real life, there's such a massive invitation for us in here that we would get our hearts in a place of faith and we go, God, if you want to do something supernatural in this year, we are in. Nothing is off limits to you. God, whatever you want to change about my life and priorities, I am in. And God, would you bring a place of shelter here? Would you bring more that are lost, that are hurting, that are addicted, that are broken, that are struggling? God, that need love, that need hope, that need life. God, would you fill this, this room, every seat, every weekend, every day, God, would this place be a place of shelter? Would my home, would your home be a place? Place of shelter and safety for people to get their eyes on Jesus. This picture is one that I believe God is giving to us real life as an anchor for our souls this year to look at this mustard seed and go, get my faith up. Amen? Get my hope up. Get my expectation up. God is working. He wants to work. And he's going to empower us to be his people. I want to read you a story. I've read this every year for the last 12 years. Because it's, for me, it's just a powerful anchor for us to keep our hearts tethered to. It's a story about a life-saving station. It just paints a picture of what happens if we're not careful. Just listen to this. This is on a dangerous seacoast where shipwrecks often occur. There was once a crude little life-saving station. The building was really just a hut. There was only one boat, but those few devoted members kept a constant watch over the sea. With no thought for themselves, they went out day and night tirelessly searching for those who were lost. Some of those who were saved and various others in the surrounding area wanted to become associated with the station. And they gave of their time, they gave of their money, an effort to support its work. Eventually, new boats were bought, new crews were trained. The little life-saving station grew. Some of the members of the life-saving station were unhappy that the building was so crude and poorly equipped. They felt they had a more comfortable place, that a more comfortable place should be provided as the first refuge of those who are being saved from the sea. So they replaced the emergency cots with beds, they put better furniture in the enlarged building. Now this life-saving station became kind of a popular gathering place for its members. They decorated it beautifully because they used it as a sort of club. Fewer and fewer members were now interested in going to sea on life-saving missions. So they hired lifeboat crews to do this work for them. The life-saving motif still prevailed in the club's decorations. There was even a model lifeboat hanging in the room where the club's initiations were held. And about this time, a large ship wrecked off the coast, and the hired crews brought in boatloads of cold, wet, and half-drowned people. They were dirty, 
and they were sick. This beautiful new club was in chaos. So the property committee immediately had a shower house built outside the club where victims of shipwrecks could be cleaned up before coming inside. And at the next meeting, there was a split among the club membership. Most of the members wanted to stop the club's life-saving activities because they were unpleasant and a hindrance to the normal social life of the club. Some members even insisted upon life-saving as their primary purpose and pointed out that they were still called a life-saving station, but they were finally voted down and told that if they wanted to save the lives of all those sick and drowning people who were shipwrecked in those waters, they could begin their own life-saving station. So they did. As years went by, the new station experienced the same changes that had occurred in the old. It evolved into a club, and yet another life-saving station was founded. History continued to repeat itself. And if you visit that seacoast today, you'll find a number of exclusive clubs along that shore. Shipwrecks are frequent in those waters, but most of the people drown. I believe with all my heart in real life that we are called to become this place of shelter, this life-saving station. It's not like a corporate mission statement that we need to get on the wall. It's an individual conviction that needs to rise in each of our hearts. A sense of repentance for when we get self-centered, self-indulgent, focused on what I want, what I need, and how I want life to go. And the recognition that this life that you and I have because of Jesus, this life of freedom, this life of grace, it was bought at a very precious price, the blood of Jesus Christ. So we come into this not lightly at all, but with a place of humility and reverence, oh God, that you would save us not just to serve ourselves, but that you would save us and set us on a new mission, not living for our self-gratifying ways, but sacrificing everything so that your kingdom would advance, not only in our lives, but every life that we would ever come across, God. Would you give us a chance, God, to share the good news of your love with every single person that we would come across, God? Will we never lose focus, God, of the the rescue mission that you have sent us on as your people? There is a world, there is a city, there is a school, there is a, a job that you work at. The people are dying to know the salvation that is possible in Jesus Christ. God, forgive us for allowing our hearts to get so self consumed. God, forgive us for slipping into mediocrity and complacency. God, forgive us for having a hardened heart towards those that are lost and broken and hurting, for being afraid of getting our lives a little messed up or our church a little dirty or messy. God, forgive us. Would you fill us, Jesus, with a passion for every soul, a conviction to become a person who is radically sold out to your kingdom 
becoming this place of shelter, this church, our home, our lives, completely dedicated to you. I want to ask you today, real life, to consider where you find yourself in this story. To know that the Spirit of God and His grace is so good at just illuminating your heart, using Scripture like a mirror just to show you this is where you're at. Don't run from that. Don't hide from that. Don't pretend like that's not real. Just allow your heart to soften. Reverence and awe to just fill your heart. Repentance, worship, gratitude, conviction. Amen, Jesus. I will be your church. My family will be a place of shelter. This church will be a place of shelter. God, I will do whatever you ask me to do. Nothing is off limits to you. Amen. In fact, I want to get you one of these mustard seeds on your way out the door. As an invitation every day. To get your faith up. To know that God is inviting us to be a part of this ever-expanding, unstoppable kingdom. It's an invitation to know that God is wanting to take over every part of our lives. That this would be a year of faith, a year of seeking his presence, knowing that in the presence of God, lives are changed forever. That as people walk into this place of shelter, they would see Jesus. That they would know God, encounter him in a powerful way. I want to pray for you today. I'd love to invite you if you're at a spot where you know that Jesus is calling you to repentance. Your next step is to be baptized. That you would head to the back. Our team will meet you back there as we sing this song. And that you would get changed. We've got shirts and shorts and towels, everything you need to take that step today. The water is warm, ready for you. I believe that God has drawn you to himself today. Just stand to your feet. Let me pray for you today. God, you see every heart here. Every one of us, God, that you're drawn to yourself. I, I just ask, God, that you'd be here powerfully as we sing, as we worship, God. You draw us to repentance. You draw us to humility. You draw us to worship. You draw us to a place of just gratitude. God, you draw us to, to salvation. There's people in this room that you are wanting to save right now by your power, Jesus, and your authority, God. We ask that you would do that in a miraculous way right now. Set captives free, Jesus. Set them free. Thank you, Jesus. Heal those that are sick in this room right now in the name of Jesus. Break the bonds of addiction that rule so many hearts in this room right now in the name of Jesus. God, our faith is up. You said we could say to this mountain, move, God. And so we're asking these mountains to move in this room right now, Jesus. Every hindrance to faith, everything that's keeping us from our potential, God, we just ask it to move in the name of Jesus. Every fear, every anxiety, every spirit of depression, we just cast it out in the name of Jesus. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. We just honor you today.
worship you. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're heading to the back, get baptized right now. Do that. Let's worship together.